Hey, what up? Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, centered from Reality Podcast. It is Tuesday, September 26th. Tomorrow, second Republican debate. Donald Trump will not be there. For me, I will watch it because, well, there's going to be a lot to say about it, I'm sure. But Donald Trump's more ahead than he's probably ever been. And in the way he would say it, I'm winning like no one else before doing great, we're winning, blah, blah, blah. So I will watch that debate, but I'm not sure how much it's going to do anymore. But today, I mainly want to talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene, who drafted a declaration of war, basically, on Mexican cartels. And I want to talk about why that's kind of crazy, considering Mexico is now passing China as our number one trading partner. And also that the Mexican government says we cannot do this, so it kind of sounds like an act of war. I'll get to that, but first I did just want to briefly talk about the Bob Menendez stuff. He is the senior senator Democrat, the senior Democratic senator for New Jersey, Cuban-American, and his wife, Nadine, and him were or Jesus Christ, I can't speak were indicted last week in a federal court in New York on three charges of conspiracy. And the charges were to commit bribery, conspiracy to commit honest services fraud, and conspiracy to commit extortion. NPR writes here, the indictment alleges that Menendez and his wife accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes. In return, Menendez allegedly used his position as a U.S. senator to help the businessmen by providing sensitive U.S. government information, taking actions to aid the Egyptian government. He has come out in kind of a Trumpian way in front of a positive crowd and basically said, all the evidence is not there. This is a witch hunt. I'm innocent until proven guilty, which is true, by the way. But then he's also basically said, I'm a Cuban-American This is an attack on me personally, and I'm not only going to be vindicated, but I'm also going to run for re-election, which is kind of bold. Now, the interesting thing here that I wanted to just touch on for a minute is that Menendez, his argument is that he was just resorting to kind of old school tactics. And what I mean here is that I guess one of the big (laughs) red flags is that he took out tens of thousands of dollars and stuffed it in his house and in his pockets. And I mean literally. And his defense for that was that his family had to flee Cuba in the 50s before the Castro regime took over. So he's just going back to his old school roots when he is stuffing money into his pockets. He says it's his own money. There's just a lot of questions I have there. Also... (laughs) His search history has been made public, and apparently investigators also say, according to the AP, that they discovered a Google search by Medendez, and and in this Google search, he was basically looking for what the value for a kilo of gold was. And I, I guess the thing is, guys, is that if this was just his own, and he'd had this kilo of gold for a while, he would probably know its worth. It's just kind of odd to have a kilo of gold on you, just on your person, and then also be searching how much it's worth. What that tells me is that he probably didn't have it for very long, and he also wasn't planning on getting it, and he is just using these kind of identitarian political arguments to say, no, no, 
it's all fine, guys. Nothing to see here. And I'm just worried because this is one of America's national leaders in foreign policy. He has stepped down from, what is it, the, the um, Foreign Relations Committee as required by the rules the Senate Democrats adopted to govern themselves, according to everything I've read. But it is just kind of problematic when the literally chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee might be working with Egyptian nationals, Egyptian political leaders, Egyptian business people, and all of a sudden he has kilos of gold that he's not sure about their worth, and he's just sticking wads of cash into his pockets and around his house, and then he's just saying, oh, I'm just doing this because I'm old school. It doesn't smell right to me, and I'm glad to see that there's a growing chorus of Democrats in both the House and the Senate that are calling for him to resign. I think it's important to hold whoever is corrupt accountable. To me, Menendez is corrupt. This is not his first rodeo. I guess he was acquitted back in 2015. 15, if I'm not incorrect, for similar charges. He was only acquitted due to due to kind of procedural issues issues in the case. But from my understanding, a lot of people think this guy has been problematic for a long time. But I am just happy that Democrats are standing up. And it shows me that the Democratic Party, whatever you want to say, is at least a healthier party because they're not all just backing him and calling this a witch hunt and saying this is some right-wing conspiracy to get Democrats out of office. It's actually the contrary. The Democrats are saying this guy seems to be morally corrupt and he's putting national security at risk, so we need to get him out of here. And I am one of the people who says him and Donald Trump are, of course, both innocent until proven guilty, but I'd like to see the Republican Party scrutinizing the actions of Donald Trump and Jared Kushner and others like that in the similar extent that Democrats are like, yeah, this guy should resign. I believe the charges. I want to see the investigation. This guy should not run again. He's in a high point of office, and his actions show that he could be compromised. I just see the Democratic Party as much more able to regulate and govern itself, and the Republican Party would just backtracks and defends and gets into its corner. I just like to imagine, say, say Senator Menendez was on the Republican side, say he was a Republican senator, they would all be saying this is a Democratic witch hunt. I guarantee it. He could be holding literally Russian golden kilos saying like, oh, these were, I've just had these for decades. It's all good. And they would say, yep, this is just part of the Hillary Russia hoax. At least the Democrats can see the writing on the wall, in my opinion. I'd like to see Biden be a little bit more direct about this. He hasn't said that much yet. His his press secretary, Jean-Pierre, has not said too much either in these affairs. So I think there are still a lot of actions to be held here. But I'd like to see that the Democrats are at least somewhat rallying behind a message of you need to resign. Anyways, as I'm sure many of you are aware... Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, or as some people call her Marjorie Trader Greene, has been quite involved in an insane amount of impeachment attempts towards Joe Biden. Even before he was inaugurated, she'd already filed articles of impeachment. I think it's been like four or five attempts. I don't have the numbers right in front of me at this moment, but I think she's done it at least four times. And I think, it, I think she's kind of a funny figure on the far right because 
Lauren Boebert no one takes seriously. We all laugh her off. But it seems like Marjorie Taylor Greene has completely internalized this idea that she's a serious person who's going to do serious legislation. She passes serious articles of impeachment, which of course are a sham, but she passes things like that and people get behind her. Kevin McCarthy sees her as a valuable ally. You just don't see Lauren Boebert having the same types of interactions. And I think she's a crazy person. She's always been a crazy person. She's aligned with QAnon, some anti-Semitic rhetoric, big lies. She's been at white nationalist rallies with Trump and Nick Fuentes and a lot of the winners on the far right. And the reason I bring her up is because this serious congresswoman is basically looking to draft a declaration of war against Mexican drug cartels, which I think could end up being a new militarized war on drugs that could actually lead to some serious hostilities between the United States and Mexico. If we don't take what she's saying at face value and react to it and do something differently, because I think a lot of liberal or left-leaning commentators bring up a good point about these MAGA people. If they're telling you what they want to do, take it at face value and believe them. And I think we need to believe this America first MAGA right-wing movement, when they say they want to attack Mexico and they want to attack the cartels, we need to believe them. Anyways, Newsweek notes in quotes here, speaking with Charlie Kirk, the founder of the student conservative group Turning Point USA on Real America's Voice, which is a, I don't even know, it's one of those right-wing MAGA news networks. She complained of the billions and billions of dollars going to help fight Ukraine and Russia's invasion, and she complained about that instead of defending the U.S.-Mexican border. Green said the enemy was Mexican cartels, not the Mexican government, not the Mexican people. She, she said she's, in quotes, drafting a declaration of war against the Mexican cartels, adding that anyone, sh any, sorry, <laughs> adding that she challenges anyone in Washington who beats the drums of war and beats their chests about fighting Russia to recognize the oath is to the United States and that we should defend our own country. By the way, I guess defending our own country is now going into Mexico to defend our own country by fighting cartels and maybe starting a new international crisis. I'm going to play a part of that interview on um, Charlie Kirk's show because I think it's important to add the context and then I will give you all of my thoughts. Charlie, today in Washington, D.C., we have President Zelensky came to the Capitol today, of course, talking to leaders with Washington, wanting billions and billions more dollars, Americans' hard-earned tax dollars, to go to a war in Ukraine, defending Ukraine's border, while at the same time, Washington, D.C. is completely ignoring the invasion happening at our border. There has been over 10,000 people. By the way, I, I won't stop this too many times, but that rhetoric is kind of insane. Invasion, invasion. I don't like invasion when we're talking about these things because it kind of incentivizes the idea of conflict or war. Invade Eagle Pass in the last 24 hours. This is unprecedented. Our country is under attack. And who is leading the attack, Charlie, is the Mexican cartels. And so I'm announcing on your show that I would like to get Washington to realize 
who our real enemy is to the American people, who's responsible for 300 Americans dying every single day from fentanyl, who's responsible for a multi-billion dollar human trafficking and drug trafficking industry that directly affects the United States of America. And that is the Mexican cartels, not the Mexican government, not the Mexican people. So I am currently drafting a declaration of war against the Mexican cartels. And I'll just add again, of course, she's right to say it's not the Mexican people, it's not the Mexican government. But at the same time, when you're saying this whole thing is a threat, that they're invading the border and we're declaring war against the cartels, she doesn't seem to understand that a war against something trickles down into people in the entire economy and in, in, in the entire society. And also a lot of these cartels have a foothold in civil society in different Mexican pueblos, localities municipal districts, etc. So she obviously doesn't know what she's talking about, but I'll stop ranting. I'd like to challenge anyone in Washington that beats the, the drums of war and beats their chest about fighting Russia to wake up and realize the oath of office they took is to the United States and the American people and to defend our borders. And if they want to want to talk big like that, then they should defend our country. And that is what the defense department is all about, is defending America, defending Americans in our states, and they are failing on the job poorly, very, very poorly. Yes, they are. And, and it, what is nauseating, Marjorie, you have to, rep, you have to serve with that. Here comes Charlie Kirk, man of the people, the intellectual center of the new right. So many Republicans mm -hmm. seem infatuated with Zelensky. And they couldn't care less that yesterday, and we have the B-roll here, thousands and thousands of fighting age young men, not DNA tested, not background checked. We don't know who these people are, just waltzing right into America to invade the country. Can you give me, help me understand? I am, I am highly in doubt that they are waltzing in to invade the country. Again, the, all these people need to do is just look at videos of the southern border. That's not exactly what's happening. Why do so many Republicans not care about America, but they care about a foreign country that most Americans can't pick out on a map? What, what is going on in their head? I can't comprehend it, Charlie. Some of them tell me that, well, we made a, an agreement with Ukraine years ago uh, when they got rid of their nuclear weapons that we would help defend that country. But here's the situation. We aren't... By the way, um, I believe that was the Minsk, Minsk Accords... Um, they also could be talking about the Budapest agreements. Either one of those was that Russia would never be aggressive towards foreign Soviet states in return for places like Ukraine giving up their nuclear weapons. Right now, Russia is violating those agreements by invading former Soviet territories. So again, they don't know what they're talking about here. Defending our own country. And Charlie, I just said to you that I'm writing a declaration of war against the Mexican cartels. You didn't bat an eye. Yeah, now, I mean, of course, Charlie Kirk did not bat an eye because he full-heartedly agrees with this. I would bet a lot of money on that. Now, getting back to the main point here, I guess what I find funny or depressing or somewhat ironic, or maybe all three, in this video and just generally speaking, is that MTG, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'm going to call her MTG, has opposed basically aiding Ukraine where we're seeing literally an authoritarian state invade a state that's trying to be better. 
and she's criticized our involvement in foreign wars and helping Ukraine. She showed sympathy to Vladimir Putin. And at the same time, to me, a declaration of war against the drug cartels in Mexico would be a pretty serious event. And it could lead to a lot of bloodshed and a lot of violence in Mexico. And what I would call is the delegitimization of the Mexican state. And we'd be involved in that. I did a podcast back in March on this entire topic. So if you want more details, I would definitely recommend checking that out. And I'm not going to rehash all of that now because it's already out in the podcast. But basically, a little like Spark Notes, Cliff Notes version of that would be that a lot of Republicans including almost every individual running for president in 2024 against Donald Trump, has one way or another agreed with the idea of retaliating against the Mexican drug cartels over fentanyl. And I should just note that I understand the fear many Americans and American politicians have over fentanyl. Its meteoric rise is insane Its lethality is a lot worse than other opioids and synthetic opioids we've seen, and it is wrecking havoc on a large portion of our population. The thing is, though, that this is a multi-layered issue, and this issue involves our opioid crisis and addiction crisis in the United States that I think was really started by Big Pharma, aided and embedded by Big Pharma. It also involves China, which is now exporting fentanyl and helping the Mexican cartels set up laboratories in Mexico, open up new markets in South and Central America. And it also does involve the Mexican government's inability to have a monopoly on force within the state. And I do think that's a serious issue. The thing here, though, is that we have tried the war on drugs. We've tried it for a long time. We have tried wiping out, for example, the heads of cartels like the Sinaloa cartel in places like Mexico and in Colombia, and it never works. You just see, say you take out El Chapo Guzman, it just leads to others fighting for power and leading to more infighting and violence and actually more chaos on the streets as rival leaders kind of play out a Game of Thrones scenario where they see who is the new leader of the drug syndicate of choice. I really think that is true, and I just don't actually think that doing the same things, but this time officially declaring war on the cartels, can really make much of a difference or any difference at all. Plus, the other elephant in the room is that the Mexican government, led by Andres Manuel López Obrador, or AMLO as I will call him, basically that government has said that it does not want help from the United States And it would see attacks on cartels within Mexican territory as a threat to the legitimacy and integrity of the Mexican state and maybe even an act of aggression. And I guess that's understandable. Like, I have numerous podcasts. I probably have like half a dozen podcasts on Mexico and its crackdown on liberalism. I do not like AMLO's government whatsoever. What he's done in erasing Supreme Court laws so that he can maintain power is troubling. But also then saying the Mexican government's not doing enough, so us as a foreign power is going to get involved, it sounds a lot like what Putin's saying about denazification in Ukraine. And so that's the irony here to me, is that a lot of these right-wingers, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, think that what Putin's doing, we should just give him what he wants, 
And then they say we should not be involved in stopping whatever he's doing there. But then at the same time, they kind of almost want to do an act of aggression to our neighbor to the south. And I would just argue that attacking the cartels would inevitably lead to kind of a mix of the war on drugs that we've seen before, and maybe even some pieces of the invasion and war in Iraq, where a foreign power gets involved and helps even radicalize, polarize, and anger the population against the foreign government or entity involved. The cartels are horrible. They are responsible for what's happening with fentanyl, no doubt. But I think getting involved in trying to fight them could just help polarize the, the Mexican people against the American cause. You could also destabilize the country in the meantime. That doesn't sound fun to me. That really doesn't sound fun to me or productive to me. And I should add that I do believe that Mexico is a destabilized state right now and its security is important to United States interests. I think both Mexico and the United States have shared interests in making sure that cartels do not flourish. I've talked about the infighting between the Mexican military and cartels, and I think Mexico has not been able to create a monopoly on security inside of the government, and I think a state becomes closer to failure than success when it cannot monopolize security. I do think that is absolutely true. But I just think us getting involved and trying to help define where that security comes from creates a power vacuum, much like what we saw in Iraq and Afghanistan. And it's just ironic that these people are like (laughs) helping a clear good and bad guy, in my opinion, in the Ukraine war is bad, but trying to destabilize Mexican authority in their own country is okay. And getting into the more economic side of it, And I think this adds some insult to injury as well about these insane ideas. I've been reading that it does turn out that Mexico is actually now beating China as the main trading partner of the United States, the top trading partner of the United States. So Axios notes here in quotes, Mexico supplanted China this year as the United States' top trading partner. The article from over the summer notes here in quotes as well, The milestone reflects a real shift in the dynamics of the global economy, away from prioritizing low prices and greater efficiency via super fragile supply chains to something more nuanced. And I think if you want to add even more nuance to it, I think Luis Torres, who is a senior business economist at the Dallas Federal Reserve, the Dallas Fed, I think he explains how weird the global economy is right now. He wrote in a piece back in late July, I believe it was, in quotes here, Today's global economic relationships encompass a myriad of concerns, among them national security, climate policy, and supply chain-related resiliency. So in a sense, I actually think it's actually quite remarkable that Mexico has been able to fill the void created as COVID and other issues have made the U.S. somewhat break away from China. And... I think that is why, in a sense, you have to think about how Mexico is supplanting China because it's closer to us and it's a booming manufacturing hub. I I will never disagree with some of the right-wing talking points about how Mexico could be doing more to limit mass migration or asylum seekers getting across the U.S. border, but 
I'm kind of along the argument that I think it's always going to happen just because of what the United States stands for and how bad a lot of socioeconomic issues are in places like El Salvador and Honduras. We have to remember that most asylum seekers are not coming from Mexico. And we also have to remember that fentanyl, for as much as we want to like blame the cartels, if we want to talk about someone to blame, it is China. And I also, again, as I said earlier in the episode, it's the fact that the U.S. is constantly and consistently addicted to drugs. The opioid crisis has been raging here for a long time. And again, opioids like fentanyl are cheaper, easier to manufacture, and they can be split and put into different, different products that are both illicitly and legally purchased. And I think that's part of it. And so I think as China exports more to the U.S. than the U.S. sends to China, it seems like the trade with Mexico is, is becoming more and more balanced between imports and exports. So that makes them actually a viable trading partner. Again, it's their security dilemma that they currently have, their security situation, the breakdown of law and order, as well as a obvious fentanyl crisis there. So like, this is where I can never totally disagree with right-wingers and say, like, it's not an issue what Mexico's doing. I just disagree with the prescription that people like Marjorie Taylor Greene have, which is we need to declare war on the cartels and go into Mexico and bomb them. Even people like Lindsey Graham in the Senate, back in that podcast I did several months ago, I talked about how people from, like, Dan Crenshaw to Lindsey Graham agreed with using an AUMF, which is an authorization for the use of military force, to attack the cartels. Again, it's on foreign soil. I don't know if it'll fix anything because we need to talk about the bigger issue here, which is the overarching drug crisis that we have and that the American economy is very open to illicit drugs. Now, going back to this whole war on the cartels thing, it's just stupid. One would think that we would want to work with Mexico since the country is important, right? Wouldn't we want to help them stabilize their economy, stabilize their security state, work together, maybe collaborate better? Of course, I am no idiot here where I would say that AMLO, the current president of Mexico, is very anti-American and very anti-capitalist. He's very anti-democracy. He's a a very illiberal leader. I've I've always called him kind of the anti... Yeah, he's kind of the antithesis of Trump. He's kind of a left-wing populistic version of Trump. So I understand that there's issues here, but isn't the MAGA movement about making America first? Because I truly would argue that this whole thing, if we actually declared war on the cartels and did some sort of special military operations under an AUMF, which I'm assuming is what we would have to do, I would argue that this would actually hurt the United States and maybe make us have to turn more towards China when one of, the, one of our best manufacturers and allies could be just directly south of us and we could cut out China completely. It's all crazy. And there's a, good, there's a really good reason magazine, as I've told you guys, I'm not a total libertarian, but I have a lot of libertarian leanings. And Reason Magazine is kind of my libertarian hub because they're kind of libertarian, but they're sensible libertarians. And Reason Magazine has a great article from August 31st by Ilya Soman. And 
It basically says that Republicans, in quotes, have a dangerous plan to turn the war on drugs into a real war by attacking Mexico. I think one of the best points in the article is the part that reads here, and I'm going to read it, so deal with me for a second. It reads here in quotes, It's unlikely that attacking Mexico will do much to curb drug addiction in the U.S. Most fentanyl smuggling is conducted by U.S. citizens crossing legal ports of entry, not undocumented immigrants or Mexican cartel operatives. If military intervention succeeds in killing or disrupting some Mexican suppliers, others, including others from other countries, are likely to take their place. So as long as there is still a demand for the product, it's not going to change. That has been the result of past attempts to interdict drug supplies from Colombia, Afghanistan, and elsewhere. At most, we might get a modest temporary reduction in drug use. And I think this is important, and it kind of gets to what I was talking about a moment ago, is that America is a drug-addicted country, so there's always going to be opportunists, no matter whether it's from Mexico or Honduras or China or wherever it may be. There's going to be people taking advantage of this. So if we just focus on the cartels, it's really not focusing on the general problem here. And I just think, yes, maybe if you attack the cartels, you'll see a temporary reduction in drug use. But if you have an entire illicit economy that is now dependent on using fentanyl to cut illicit drugs, make them easier to fund and cheaper to supply, that's not going to change by this policy. And I think I think reason is correct on this. Reason, I will give reason so much defense on this. Reason's been one of the main publications that I've been following for months that's really been worrying about the Republicans' focus on some sort of war against the cartels, which to me sounds like a hyped up, hyper-militarized war on drugs. I want to read one more little segment from this Reason article. It says here in quotes, the 1.6 million Americans living in Mexico could potentially become targets for terrorism or retaliation by drug cartels. Here in the U.S., we could see a racist and vigilante violence against Mexican-Americans. At the very least, a conflict with Mexico would predictably inflame racial and ethnic tensions. And this is something that I also think might be kind of part of the whole appeal. Because we have to remember that from day one, the whole MAGA movement has kind of been about building the wall. The Mexicans and the other Latin American asylum seekers and immigrants are coming across the border. Maybe some of them are good, but they're also rapists and terrorists. You know, that, that, that type of rhetoric that Trump's put out. And if you actually declared a war on cartels, it might actually kind of be unfortunate, difficult, and just maybe, maybe even depressing if you're a Mexican, American, or migrant living in the United States, because I've always thought this right-wing attempt to like basically blame Mexico for everything just creates a new scapegoat. And as we know, MAGA needs to otherize someone, point fingers at someone. And I think in this case, it would be Mexican-Americans. Which I guess in kind of a weird way would just kind of almost take us back to some of the useless and I was hoping outdated rhetoric from the Mexican-American War. Either way, this is just dangerous. And I'll just end this by saying that it'd be one thing if it was just Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene talking about this. But Nikki Haley has played coy with this. 
I mean, what's his name? Vivek the fake Ramaswamy. He's literally supported using military force at the border, which is just, to me, UN violations up the yin-yang. Rob DeSanctimonious, obviously down for this as well. Chris Christie has even said at least enough that he would be willing to at least entertain these thoughts. I'm just worried that this is what the base wants. And because, as we know, policies on the right trickle up from what the most inflamed and angry base want, that this is something we could see. And I really don't think that is good foreign policy. It's not good domestic policy. And it's just fairly dangerous. Now, I'm going to talk about this more probably in tomorrow or the next day's episode. But I've been reading some interesting articles about how the U.S. and its allies is growing willingness to use violence in extrajudicial reasons around the world has allowed autocratic regimes to do the same. I worry that this is one of those actions as well, where if we keep doing things that could be deemed autocratic in many parts of the world, we're going to see copycats. And in a time when we see democracy backsliding and we see autocracy at the door, Doing these type of actions to our allies, even if our allies are flawed, is problematic. And I just don't like that almost every Republican leader running to be president of the United States thinks that solving the fentanyl crisis and solving the border crisis is by maybe starting a conflict that basically is the definition of shit hitting the fan. I don't like that one bit. So I'm not going to talk about anything else tonight. I just wanted to kind of focus on that for the majority of this episode. But guys, like declaring war on the cartels is not declaring war on the cartels. It starts with that and creates basically a power vacuum that then leads us to a conflict as well. I know the MAGA movement is against endless wars. Never, what do they call them? Forever wars, forever wars. That's the word. This could lead us to another forever war with our ally to the south that is our biggest trading partner. Anyways, Alex is out of here. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. You guys know the rest. Have a great rest of your night. I'll be back tomorrow. Avita Zane.